It's never too early to learn that the government is a greedy piglet that suckles on a taxpayer's teat until they have sore, chapped nipples. All right. Hello, listeners. Uh, so today we are joined by the man in power, Mike Paul, along with uh, a man of questionable ethnicity and the host of the Individualist podcast and recurring co-host of the Tower Gang podcast, Mr. Nick Ashley. How are you doing today, sir? I'm tired. Thank you very much for having me, guys. Uh, not tired because it's too late. Tired. Uh, it's been hot as hell over here in Georgia, and it takes it out. Oh, yeah. I can't imagine, it's, dude. It's hot over is here. It's about 100% humidity. Yeah, I think so. Probably close to that. Brutal. Dude. Yeah, it's it's just starting to get humid here in the Midwest, but not we don't we don't get the the Gomez weather that you guys get. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm uh, I'm dreading to see my my electric bill for next month because we have no shade around our house and it's just been like 90 degrees all week. My AC been going hard, so yeah, it's not the best time of year. We recently <laughs> had to replace our AC unit. Actually, the whole thing. Uh, and the electric bill went from nearly $300 a month to under $100 a month. Really? Yeah. Damn. What, what, yeah. Kind of, what, what was the brand? <laughs> it, was a, it, the, it was a 30-year-old unit. It, the unit was as old as the house, and we didn't know that. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't remember knowing the age of the unit, but I knew the outdoor unit had gotten replaced in like 2014, which isn't bad. But the indoor unit was original, and it barely had any... Uh, it's not it's not literally freon anymore uh but oh. refrigerant it barely had any refrigerant in it so it was struggling gotcha yeah i mean my house is built in 88 and i believe all my stuff's original so it's probably outdated and very inefficient but uh yeah that would pay itself off in no time if i could get my bill lower yeah that would help for sure so well, you could look at it like using outdated appliances to own the libs <laughs> <You know. laughs> Causing more uh, carbon emissions or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Emptying out the extra Freon before you take it to recycle it. That kind of deal. Oh, man. I hate to wonder what kind of... Well, I know Freon is like toxic, but in high quantities, it's toxic. Like, it'll make you kind of sick. Mm-hmm. I wonder what kind of crap was going on in the attic up there. I don't know. I never felt any symptoms because I know the symptoms are like... Then again, I have headaches all the time, but who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you'll have to you'll have to do like a little little study over like the next month or so. See if you start to feel and notice anything different. Oh, it's it's been a couple of months by now, and I haven't felt any differently at all. Yeah. So Nick, I uh, I hadn't really heard about your podcast until Tyler brought it to my attention last week, um, and I listened to one of your episodes today. I, I believe it was your second episode where you talked about kind of your uh, journey towards libertarianism, which was mm-hmm. a very uh, interesting episode I'd recommend people listen to and um oh, yeah it was uh very similar to my story honestly and i feel like when talking to most libertarians like 95 percent, it's like talking to reformed drug addicts it's like oh i used to be like <laughs> this but then i saw the light yeah and, um you know for the right wing it's like i was just so young and 9 11 just happened and i want to turn the whole middle east to glass and you know and then i heard about the war machine and then yeah. uh for Democrats or liberals, it was like, oh, they were just 
there were so many homeless people and so many rich people. I would just want to take their money and give it to the poor. And then I read an economics book and then yeah. they get turned on to libertarianism. So if you want to kind of explain your background and what brought you here and why you feel so passionately about your beliefs. Yeah, sure. So to, to preface, like whenever I was a kid, my dad was a Fox News watcher and he was I, I actually make note of this in the episode. My parents voted for every Republican, uh, but it was never like a they were never like passionate Bush people. They were just like, I don't like Gore. I like Bush less than I, you know, I, I dislike Bush less than I dislike Gore. Typical lesser of two evils kind of deal. Um, but my dad watched Fox News because, I mean, for somebody who's remotely right wing, they're like the only one who wouldn't piss you off watching for one. Uh, and, you know, you got like Judge Napolitano on there. And for a time, for a time, there was a, um, for a time, Glenn Beck wasn't that crazy. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, he actually seems to have come back to the more sane side of things from what I understand um, lately. But there was a time where he kind of went real crazy, but, but this was before then. But anyway, all the Fox News watching and me being a kid took everything as black and white. And it was just like Republicans good democrats bad and uh this my formative like republican neocon like years were during the obama administration and that was you know from i was 12 in 2008 and all everything you know how fox was about obama they hated him uh, and the thing about it, and I actually kind of started picking up on this around 2011, 2012, whenever I was in high school, was that they were inconsistent about how they would criticize him over the wars. So whenever he was talking about finally pulling out of Iraq, they would criticize him for pulling out of Iraq and then, you know, creating ISIS or whatever, you know. And we all we know now as libertarians, we know that it's way deeper than that. They funded multiple groups to, you know to fight other terrorists that they had funded before. And then whenever they pulled out of Iraq, that's what, you know, it was basically Al Qaeda in Iraq that became ISIS. I'm probably getting some of this shit wrong. So don't take this and don't take, <laughs> this is kind of a general thing. I could have some geography mm -hmm. or, or groups of uh, names of groups wrong. But the point is the United States foreign policy created ISIS. It wasn't just a matter of them pulling out, but the lesson that Fox news took from that was you can't pull out of anywhere because then it'll, they'll fill the power vacuum something more something worse right but at the mm -hmm. same time they were criticizing him and my like other fox news watching uncle was like criticizing him for what was going on in libya uh and killing Gaddafi, and also what was going on in syria uh because there was a time where he was promising there would be no boots on the ground in syria and whenever he wound up sending like i think it was two or three like a handful of special forces troops probably do some like recon or something i don't remember what it was but fox was all over it oh, look boots on the ground he broke another promise so they were criticizing him for being um like pro-militaristic or pro-war in some aspects but they were criticizing him for being too weak on you know with, with regards to the military and other things but i thankfully took the right path and started to realize that the wars were not good um and kind of started to become 
a less than principled like paleo conservative is the best way I can describe it because I didn't really have much economics knowledge. Some some paleo conservatives are decent on economics, like they they a lot of them are like Chicago school types. Um, they're not good about free trade with you know they're like protectionists and everything. So I probably I don't remember what my economics were like back then, but it was general right ish economics. Um, but then during there's a big kind of gap where I didn't have much development. I slowly kind of became a beltway, like Cato libertarian where I thought libertarianism was fiscal conservative, social liberal, like that typical mm -hmm. crap, which I really hate that now. Uh, and I discovered in 2018, I discovered a band called backwards. Uh, and you guys know who Eric July is. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I discovered them. And throughout from them, I discovered the term anarcho-capitalism and I discovered Rothbard and from, you know, various Google searching and reading about this stuff, uh, YouTube started to recommend me things like Eric July's videos, not just the music, but his videos on issues and economics and stuff. And I remember in particular seeing one time where he was doing a video and in the video he says, people say libertarianism is what I just said, economically conservative, socially liberal. It's no, it's socially be what the fuck you want, economically be what the fuck you want. Um, and I was like, it kind of hit me. I was like, wow, that's actually kind of true. And then eventually from all the Eric July videos I was watching and, and, and the other Google searches I was doing about like Rothbard and the Austrian school, I came across Tom Woods, uh, Tom Woods show on YouTube. And oh, that's yeah. kind of taken me, you know, after discovering Tom Woods, then, then you discover the Mises Institute and everybody involved, which means you're going to discover the work of Mises, the work of Rothbard, the work of Hayek, Hazlitt, and all the greats, uh, Menger and so forth, uh, which means you're going to, you know, you're going to discover Scott Horton and then antiwar.com and everybody involved in that. And then that's like the best way to the Rothbardian, like libertarianism that I ascribe to pretty much. So would you say that you align with uh, being a neo-Confederate such as Tom Woods? I, I suppose so. If, if Tom Woods is a neo-Confederate, <laughs> then I'm a fucking neo-Confederate, you know? <laughs> I love that. That's their... Uh, did you see the petition floating around Twitter? They want yeah. to get him removed from being the speaker? Yeah, was it in 2022? Yeah, they, he's, he's, he's supposed to speak at the LNC, the, uh, the Libertarian National Convention uh in 2022 and there was a person who put together i don't know if this person put together the petition but i saw her like spreading it around on twitter and facebook not that i'm on facebook but i saw that she was doing it on facebook um this person who was who i saw promoting it was actually recently removed from her position i don't remember what state it is she was recently removed from her position uh by the lp affiliate she's in for doxing somebody so she's not a good person uh no. so these are the kind of this is the kind of opposition you have and the signatures that they were looking for was probably i think it was a 500 or a thousand and last i checked they didn't have halfway like they didn't have half of the signatures they were looking for well i don't know who created this one but they said uh, somebody else created one it was have only tom woods speak at the lnc 2020 and they got the 1500 signatures like immediately and That's i signed so awesome. i signed that now it's it obviously that it's not going to make a difference and it doesn't mean anything it's just kind of a f you uh to mm -hmm. these fools and it's also kind of a show of i don't know if show of force is the right term but it's a way that they they could show who's the popular people who who's who's on whose side you know yeah
Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, so, no, you're. Oh, oh, sorry, Tyler. No, go ahead. Oh, well, I was just gonna say, like, I was, I was interested in hearing your story because it, it's very similar to, to my belief. I, my parents were the same way. Fox News, Hannity, Limbaugh. I was young, and whatever they said, that was the right answer. You know, that Obama mm-hmm. was bad, McCain was good. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, especially like, man, I was, I was what, eleven years old when nine eleven happened, and that was like, man, all those Toby Keith songs came out at that time and the propaganda and the country music that like charlie daniels this ain't no rag it's a flag like dude, yellow ribbons fire. everywhere mm-hmm. yeah like it just you it had everyone so propagandized and then i kind of look at now with all the all the covid stuff you know looking at these little kids with the masks and everything and it's like they're going through their own propaganda right now and i just pray that a lot of them can wake up um the way a few small percentage of us did from all the warmongering and mm-hmm. um everything from our childhood so yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty wild, and and like I said before, it's you feel like libertarians. Number one, it takes a special kind of person to abandon their former beliefs and say, "Well, I was wrong. This is a better idea." Some people yeah. are just not capable of that at all. So I think that's a lot of why so many people in this community are so friendly, open-minded, like-minded, and I mean, we've been doing this now for what like fifty episodes. Like we have not come across one bad person. Like they're just so nice. I know give you your yeah. time, say yes. Yeah. I mean, we're a no-name show with no listeners. They're like, sure, we'll come on. I mean, they're just good dudes. Dude, that's... Childeberg was like the first event that I attended. I, I never went... I, you know, I've never went to any, like, Liberty get-togethers. And it was some of, like, the nicest, most, like, funny, intellectual people you could ever meet. Like, it was... I mean, it was a super spreader event. We're all going to die of COVID in, like, three weeks. But, <laughs> you know... But it was, it was a lot of fun. And like, you know, Nick, you could back me up on this. Like there was people talking theory and then there was people talking about shit posting. There was people just mm-hmm. talking about cooking. There was a group of people that cooked for like the whole party. Yeah. Like it was, it's, it's a, it's a cool community. Yeah. I think like, I think that inherently this is, this is like going to sound really self like, um, I'm not blowing smoke or, or, or being flattering to, to my people, but I think inherently if you're outside of that, if you're like red pilled, if you're like outside of that mainstream mold, you're kind of inherently a more interesting person because you're much more predisposed to be able to think about things in a more, uh, in a better and, you know, uh, more critical way. Um, and there's, you know, if you guys are familiar with Jonathan Haidt, I don't remember what the book is called, but he discusses like the the varying traits about different uh, groups. Like X X group is more compassionate, like political. I mean, like they're more compassionate, and libertarians are the most logical and smart overall. Mm-hmm. Um, so that there is something to that, Mike. You've mentioned how people were able to break out of that propagandizing, and I think that. It's kind of a two, it's kind of a catch 22. It's like we're able to break out of the propagandizing because we're smarter, but breaking out of the propagandizing allows us to be smarter because being smart isn't just about your, your, your own brain power. It's also about being able to learn and take in more information. And you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. uh, so to do that, you have to look outside of the box. You have to look elsewhere uh, other than your basic CNN or Fox News. So if you're, I mean, you could be a very smart person with a lot of potential, but if you never break out of that mold, you're not going to be the smartest person that you can be, uh, just because you're not, 
you're not taking in as much information as you could. And by definition, you are doing that if you're breaking out of the box, you know? For sure. Yeah. And, you know, before I had podcasts, I always felt that way since I was a little kid. Um, I've been a music junkie my whole life. And I, I got huge into classic rock, classic country. I mean, everything from like even old blues music from the 30s, like old Lead Belly stuff, 50s rock and roll, 60s Zeppelin, Skinner, all that stuff. And that's all I listened to. Like, I didn't listen to like much of the 90s, early 2000s pop music. But when I'd go to school, like, you know, I went to I was went to private school up till fifth grade. There's like 25 kids in my class. Then I go to public school where there's hundreds and every one of them listen to the same 40 songs. And I'm just like, yeah. guys, like you don't heard of Bob Dylan. And there's like, yeah. oh, my dad listens to that old people stuff. I'm like, dude, this is art. It's timeless. Listen to these words. And it was just like, oh, no, like this is what's in right now. So I've always just kind of been like an outcast with, with the normies. I've always felt that way. And mm -hmm. it, it just kind of bled into the political sphere, too, once I started getting very politically aware. Yeah, that's a really good analogy to make because, like, pop music, much like the mainstream media, I don't like the term. The corporate press is a better term. Right. Because mm -hmm. uh, mainstream, mainstream is kind of a, 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 con a concession that they're the – the majority that ever you know what i mean like the, the, i don't i don't think mainstream is appropriate anymore but the corporate press versus corporate music which is nothing you know, it's pop music mm -hmm. um what is what they pump out except for formulaic you know uh boilerplate very safe middle of the road easy Can't, to yeah. yeah exactly right and and what what's the most groundbreaking is like a Jimi Hendrix that comes out in you know whatever 65 66 whenever he did mm -hmm. nobody was nobody was doing shit like he was doing he was cutting edge Eddie Van Halen he brought mm -hmm. like shredding into into rock guitar you know he brought like shredding like he was a classical guitarist kind of like Randy Rhodes like they were classical guitarists mm -hmm. right. who blended that with metal that's the cutting edge shit uh, they weren't doing what everybody else was doing but then everybody else kind of gloms onto it and that becomes the pop that becomes the mainstream so your most innovations are just definitionally going to be coming from that that borderline, whether it's like, and, and politically that comes from whether it's the left or the right. Um, just because once something is just kind of accepted into that mass, you know, corporate mold, then it's no longer innovative. It's no longer that cutting edge thing anymore. And it won't accept it until like, the, the, the corporate press won't accept a cutting edge opinion. They have to wait till it's acceptable to espouse it. They have to wait till it's acceptable to 50 plus, you know, 50% plus 1% of people to, uh, to advocate it. And it's the same right. thing with politicians. It's the same thing with, you know, you're not going to get, like I listen to some music that's objectively, the musicians are way more talented uh, than the people that put out pop music. Like the, mm -hmm. the most popular song for a time was, uh, Oh God, I can't remember the name of it, but I remember the I remember the singer's name for some reason. But like uh, Carly Rae Jepsen, "Call Me Maybe," that's what it was. Yeah. Remember that song? Oh like, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, you know, it, it's it's literally a, a, a you know a, an above averagely uh, above average attractive girl who like just say, says the same inane nonsense for three minutes and that's it with the, with this with the fake synthesized mm -hmm. beat and everything. Well, that's like that's like your neoliberal neoconservative you know corporate press nonsense that's 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 what the politics is in that middle of the road really safe corporate opinion uh so yeah the analogy to music is very good and i'm glad you brought that up because i made an analogy to music too in that i felt like i jumped from one political or like one political uh area to 
way to the far over to libertarianism because uh, I didn't have much of a progression. It was like I was really crappy on a lot of stuff, and then I became like not to be conceited, but libertarians were good on everything. That's kind of what our that's yeah. kind of our gig, right? It's like I became good on everything like, like that. So I compare that to like I grew up listening to classic rock because that's what my dad liked. Well, the natural progression is you hear stuff like on the radio, like, you know, Breaking Benjamin or Three Days Grace. That's a little bit harder. That's got some more aggressive vocals. And then you discover, you know, you discover like Slipknot or Five Finger Death Punch. That's like mainstream metal. And then you branch out from that and you find like something more hardcore that you don't find on the radio and so on and so forth. I didn't have that with politics. I went from I felt like I went from listening to classic rock and then Breaking Benjamin, which would have been my my like neo-libertarian you know cato phase to going all the way to fucking the most obscure death metal by becoming a rough bardy and right away you know what i mean it doesn't yeah. it doesn't seem natural yeah that's a great analogy and it's funny you brought up hendrix um because it's, it's kind of along the same lines um my uncle said they saw him in 1965 or 6 when he was a no-name and he opened for the monkeys, which for those who don't know, wow. the monkeys were yeah. the original boy band. Like they were fabricated. Yep. They interviewed 3,200 people to try to knock off the Beatles by making their own band of pretty boys. Yep. And a, don't yeah. get me wrong. Wow. Their, their songs were great. Neil Diamond wrote most of them. So they were catchy. I, I'm guilty. It's a guilty pleasure. But it's the original in sync. Um, and Hendrix opened for him because he was just an incredible guitar player. But to that crowd, here comes a black guy on stage in the middle of the 60s. And he's like humping his amp and playing with his teeth, and he got booed off the stage. Yeah. And like they just thought this guy was crazy. And then like two years later, the next year, all of a sudden it's like, oh, this guy's a god of, mm -hmm. of rock and roll. Yeah. So it was kind of cool. Like he kind of just broke the barrier. And um, I think that that did wonders for that entire world. And it, it, it does uh, parallel what's going on politically very well. It's like, I mean, it's kind of like what Dave Smith is doing right now. Like here comes a comedian that says he's running for president. It's like, what the fuck is going on here? You know? That they I was really going for Kid oh, Rock, but, <laughs> but I guess, I guess Dave funny. Smith is what we get. Yeah, <laughs> they know that it's like that too, because I mean they they've actually specifically referenced that phenomenon happening in Back to the Future, where he's playing the guitar and he starts like going off and tapping and shit, and then everybody mm -hmm. in the crowd's looking at him like he just grew a third head, and he's like, "You guys aren't ready for that. Your kids are gonna love it." Like, <laughs> yeah. that's, they know they they know exactly how it works and they play off of it perfectly. So yeah, yeah, that was, that was a great movie, man. You're a yeah, great taste in music and movies. Oh, I'm not really a movie person. I just know that particular reference <laughs> from that movie. Plus, you got two first names, so I knew you're gonna be a good dude right away. <laughs> oh, you you do too. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that actually that segues into a user submitted question. Oh, nice. That I that I had for you. Um, so this is from. Miss Small Crimes. She wants oh, to know. Lord. I love she her. Wants she's hilarious. To, she's the best. Um, she wanted to know why you don't hide your name on Twitter, especially considering that you've been on a roll shit posting lately. Because I'm like this in real life. Really, I have no. You know, I'm not. I'm not afraid. Mm -hmm. I'm not afraid of somebody coming after me. Like you know what I mean. Uh, the people that are the people that really hate me are the ones who are the weakest, most impotent, you know, right. You, you know what I mean? So I'm not yeah. worried about like violence or anything like that. I'm not just worried about types that'll screenshot that you like to tweet that you weren't supposed to, and then share it yeah, privately. Right. Like privately. Much. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't really have, I don't have a reason to be anonymous. 
Like I want to be who I am. I'm going to come up in the Liberty movement. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm, I'm going to be getting places. I know that I am. Uh, and there's no reason for me to be anonymous on Twitter because it's the best platform for me to promote myself. And I have to have it kind of connected to what I'm going to be doing in my real life. I have plans. I have like relatively big plans coming up soon. Uh, and there's no reason for me to be anonymous. People are going to know who I am anyway. People are going to know how, how I am uh, be, by meeting me and, and knowing how I act. Not that I'm a dickhead or anything like that, but I'm like irreverent and I'll, you know, I, I'm I'm gonna say the same things to people in to their face that I am online. Like I'm not I'm not like that. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a good question though. I never really addressed that before. So, I also you know you also played a, a large part or were an accessory to what I I've witnessed on Twitter the destruction of the original calls for unity, which. I thought was a good thing overall. Um, now you two may have a little different opinion on that, but I, I thought it was good to weed out some of the, uh, trim some of the fat mm-hmm. because I think that Dave's calls for unity just allowed people to do um, like what on, on game of Thrones where Littlefinger stabs Ned Stark in the back. Sorry, if you haven't seen it, it's old now. You should have, um, but you know, he, he stabs him in the back and just says, I told you not to trust me. And like, uh, I feel like that was where the unity was, was moving towards is like Dave, you know, Dave and all those guys in the Mises caucus are like, yeah, guys, let's hug it out. And then the minute they hug it out, they're getting a knife in the back from these SJW. Basically they're, dem- I call them Democrats who think it's edgy to say taxation is theft. Yeah. Well, what happened with, so I spoke to Reed Coverdale about this and it, it just seemed like what he, cause he's one of the like progenitors of the unity thing, which is why Dave quickly picked Reed up and kind of took him under his wing uh, and promoted him and, and did his show bunch and everything. Not that Reed didn't earn it. Reed's awesome. I'm not, I don't mean it that way. I don't, I, mm-hmm. I don't know how that came off, but I, I mean that in like Reed is really, really good at what he's doing. Um, and Dave recognized that and was like, this guy's, this guy's good. We need him here. So Dave, Dave, like kind of picked him up deservedly. So, um, and what Reed was trying to do was say like, basically it's okay to disagree with some people on some issues, but they're going to be good on some issues. Like as a libertarian, like I just said, as a libertarian, you're going to be good on everything. So we're going to be good on like gun stuff. We're going to be good on like war stuff. So we're going to be good on civil liberties for terms of drugs and and the way the police can behave. So if you're good on everything, which you should be as a libertarian, then you're going to attract people from the left. You're going to attract people from the right. And, uh, for example, if you're going to attract people on the left because you're good on war and civil liberties, which people that are good who are on the left are supposed to be good on war and civil liberties. People who are good who are on the right are supposed to be good on fiscal issues like economics and uh, and and like gun rights and stuff like that. They're, sh- they're supposed to be. So the people from the right are going to come over because you like guns and they may get mad at you for, for the anti-military stances you take. The people on the left are going to come after you, are going to like what you say about war. They're not going to like your economics. And that's okay. 
that's okay. You could stand there and fight with Glenn Greenwald against the wars, and you could turn around and fight with Ron DeSantis against the COVID lockdowns, or fight with Ron Paul against against the shit, or fight with Tulsi Gabbard against the wars. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to just mm-hmm. sit here. Right. It's not that we're not nobody. Like it, it's not that those people are libertarians. We know that. It's just that it's okay to like team up with them to put pressure on the establishment to end things that are bad. And libertarians know what's bad, so we know what the left is good at and we know what the right is good at. So it's smart to team up with these people to put pressure on the establishment to end the bad things, which is almost everything, right? So what a lot of people saw unity as was their opportunity to like – it, I don't know. I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth or like assume anybody else's thoughts. But what I saw a lot of was they thought that they wanted anybody to be able to be a libertarian, even if they were just a basic left winger or a basic right winger. And that's right. not what it ever was supposed to be. Uh, because, I mean, R- Murray Rothbard did this very thing in, throughout the 70s or the 60s and then, you know, beginning of the 70s against the Vietnam War, teaming up with literal communists. And then in the 90s, he teamed up with with uh, Pat Buchanan uh, because Pat Buchanan was a good paleoconservative. So he was against war and he was decent on economics. So Rothbard teamed up with him against the Clinton establishment. And uh, you know, the, the, that's what it was all supposed to be about. It was supposed to be about forming issue coalitions is how Reed described it to me issue coalitions. So if somebody's good on war, get with them and write a, write a fucking book with them about war not a book but you know write a write an essay have them write an article for your yeah. website about yeah. war like there's no reason a left winger couldn't write on mises.org even though mises his institute is very clearly right-wing libertarians there's no reason a good leftist couldn't write an article about about how bad war is uh you know because of the because of the um the leftists wouldn't see it like this they would see it as a like a more bleeding heart innocence being killed which we should too obviously and a right winger should too really uh but it's not about the economics and the property damage which a good right winger recognizes bad about war but anyway you get the idea it's, it's about forming coalitions on issues not just saying like we have to be hold hands with tulsi and hold hands with Rand paul because they're both good on some stuff um right and that they're libertarians like no we're not saying they're libertarians and a lot of people would see that um they would like whenever we reached out, not we, but you know, as a general people, they were they some people would like whenever Reed would talk to progressives, uh, like Kim Iverson, they would like that, um, because she's good on war and he had her on because she was good on war and he was like, Well, we can sort out the differences about healthcare later. Ending the war is the number one issue. Um, but they don't like it, you know, lefties wouldn't like it if he when he has somebody like I don't know, uh like Dave Smith on who's pretty right-wing uh, in general. Uh, right. he's, a, he's, a, he's a good libertarian. I'm not saying he's not. He's, he's, a, he's a great Rothbardian libertarian, but he's got some right-wing social views, uh, at least ostensibly, which the, the left people don't like Dave. So they're happy whenever their people that they like get the representation in the quote-unquote unity thing, but they don't want you... like They're happy when you talk to Tulsi, but they're not happy when you talk to Rand Paul and vice versa for right-wingers. Right. Yeah, and you know the, the purity test thing in the libertarian party really drives me nuts because the whole idea is to live and let live and live by the same principles. Right. And, you know, I feel like some of the libertarians I meet um, are like myself. I got a large family, very traditional church on Sunday. Like I, I like to leave it to beaver shit. Like that's me. But mm-hmm. I also meet libertarians who like are older than me, single, don't have a family, 
don't believe in God and take mushrooms all the time. And I'm like, cool. Like we're on all the same page with all of our principles, right? War, economics, everything like that. None of the other stuff matters because they're not forcing it on me. You know, it doesn't, mm-hmm. you don't have to fight about this stuff. So, but inside the libertarian party, it's like, I feel like there's a race happening where it's the left versus the right, you know, and then we're still in the pits arguing over who's going to put gas in the tank and who's going to drive the car. Like we're not even on the track yet because we fight amongst ourselves so much more than, um, you know, energy we should be putting towards real issues on real platforms. Mm -hmm. I agree. It's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of fighting amongst ourselves and, some of that may be by design. I, I mean, there, I'm pretty sure there was a Fed chairing the LP for quite some time up until recently. So um, it, it's definitely, I think it's definitely hurting the overall movement. But I, I do think that the calls for unity would be useful if the people calling for that would look at it like, they know their end goal is the, what is, I mean, what is the stated end goal? Cause I've heard about three different messages in terms of what is the end goal for the Mises caucus folks. Well, is it to achieve power? Is it to be propagandists? Is it to, I mean, what, which is the goal? Cause I've heard all of them. I'm not even sure at that. Whenever you frame the question like that, that's a good way to ask it. I'm not sure. Um, I mean, in my view, I can tell you what I what my view is, and and this will go into another little thing that we have going on where there's arguments between Tho Bishop and Dave Smith about the best uh, or the best course of action, and then both of those two versus the agorists who don't want any political action at all. Uh, so, I think this is this is my view. I don't see why there's a reason why there's no reason why we can't have like a multi pronged attack. Uh, metaphorical attack uh, for the for the <laughs> um, and work. You know, you can work. It's a lot easier to be an agorist if you're like living alone and you're you don't have a family, you don't live in the city. Uh, but agorists are there, and they could show you how to like subvert the state. They could show you how to get into Bitcoin. Show you how to 3D print guns and stuff like that. But my argument against agorist is it is objectively better for there not to be laws that encourage people to raid your house for doing those things. Like, yeah, you can buy 3D printers and pot with Bitcoin all you want. But if you're in, you know, whatever deep red state you're in that they're going to raid your house for having marijuana plants at your house it is objectively worse than if they wouldn't have laws, you know, if, than if the drug laws were like in the Netherlands instead of there, you know what I mean? So yeah, that agorism is good to show people the way and to show how to live, to avoid the state as much as possible, but we still need to work to put pressure on people to, you know, put pressure on legislatures to change the laws such that we don't have to live like that. Such that we don't right. have to we don't have to worry about, you know, uh, if you're you don't have to worry about 3D printing guns because you can go and buy them. You don't have to worry about uh, keeping your your pot plants hidden or whatever drugs you do hidden and and protected like like it's a vault of gold because they might raid you and swat you and probably kill you for having the drugs. A non you know nonviolent offense. Uh, it is objectively better for the laws to be there 
uh, for the laws to not encourage police to do that to you, regardless of how agorist you are or not. Uh, so the Libertarian Party is there to show people the, the, the light. It's there to bring people to the movement as a whole. You don't have to join the party to be a Libertarian. There are more Libertarians. There are probably less than 100,000 dues-paying LP members. Um, and that might be a generous estimate. There may be less than 50,000. I don't know. Um, but it's not to join the party and, and have a club. It's to show people the, the light. So I say agorist is to show the way. LP is to show the light. And to have a platform to kind of like the Mises Institute is, how they're like a great educational beacon where you can go and learn anything about anything, libertarianism. Mm -hmm. um, that's what the LP is going to do in message. What the LP Twitter accounts have been doing, the state LP accounts like LP New Hampshire have been causing a ruckus talking about this child labor shit. That's, what, that's exactly what they need to be doing, in my opinion. They Did got you see how many hits they had? Yes, right. That's 12 exactly million right. hits on that thing. And the thing about it is as bad as that tweet looked, like as, as negative a reaction as that seemed to have had, I have seen way more discussion about child labor and I made a tweet about it. Like it's, it's different to, it's, it's one thing to talk. We're not talking about going, send kids to the coal mines at age five. Okay. We're past that as a, as a society. We're more developed than that. We're talking about a kid having a lemonade stand. We're talking about a 14 year old being able to go and stock shelves or a 16 year old being able to get into the trades and not waste, you know, two years in high school and four years in college where he's going to get himself into debt. He's going to set up his future. You know, that's what we're talking about. It's objectively better to have a kid that maybe doesn't need to be going to college to go into work instead. And there's no reason for him to take those last two years of high school or whatever, you know? Right. You have to have a mm -hmm. permit. You have to get, you have to get a permit. Whenever I, I was 17 years old, about to start my first, my first official job, uh, at Sonic, uh, Sonic Drive-In. Whenever I was a kid in high school, I had to get a, a fucking permit from my high school called an intent to work form that my parents had to sign. Even though they were the, you know, I wouldn't have been able to get the job without my parents' permission in the first place. I had to get permission, a, a fucking slip from my school that that we all had to sign and bring to the bring to the. Like, does that make any sense? No, no. it doesn't make any sense at all. That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about giving kids black lung in the coal mines. We're not talking about kids cutting their hands off because they're freezing to death in fucking butcheries, you know, like like the fake book The Jungle by Upton Sinclair, you know what I mean? Um, so people have, and that's propaganda right there. When people think child mm -hmm. labor, they think sweatshops. They think kids on an assembly line in a shithole factory uh, or, or sewing Nikes like in like in China or, or Pakistan or wherever it is that they, they, they make Nikes. Uh, or pick a brand, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. Indonesia, whatever it may be, that's what they think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and, okay. Oh, oh, yeah. I was going to say to your point. Um, you know, if you look at like in the inner cities and the ghettos and everything, you know, take say a young black kid with a single mom with no father figure, who is thirteen, fourteen years old. His mom barely gets by. She's on state assistance, and there's a convenience store on the corner that would pay him four or five bucks an hour to bad groceries but you know he's right. buying very low margins it's, it's a really rough part of town but the government gets in the way and says that's illegal like you guys right. do this voluntary contract so what does the kid do his option is well these this gang here will give me a 100 bucks a day to go you know be a drug mule i can run mm -hmm. that because i'm a minor and then all of a sudden these guys become his father figure he looks up to really bad people and 
by his early twenties, his life is destroyed. And that's it, right. it's, you know, that's, the, a, that's a hypothetical. The, mom on, the state puts the mom on assistance so that she becomes dependent on them. For that sure. Too. Yeah. It's a sure. giant tangled mess. And uh, I really think that being able to like kids being able to go and work uh, is, is, would solve a lot more would solve a lot of problems. Obviously there's a lot of shit going on with the drug war and, and all that, which you just, you touched on there and you Tyler talking about uh, the welfare state, but having, having the, you know, being able to have a kid uh, learn, how learn responsibilities at 14, 15, having a job is, is mm-hmm. it's, I think people drastically understate uh, the value in that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, anyway, the, so that's, that's what the LP is for. Is for that kind of shit. They've started up a conversation that's not going away anytime soon, right? I mean, that's that. That's just. I don't think that tweet had twelve point three million views last time I saw it. Uh, that's or last time LP National, they they or LP, um, not National, LP New Hampshire replied to me with a screenshot of that because uh, mm-hmm. I was because I had talked, I had said something about it on Twitter. Uh, so that conversation is not going away anytime soon. And there are articles being written about it on Fox News and on CNN and people in the comments saying, I wish I could have got a job whenever I was 14 or, hey, I, I worked a paper out whenever I was 13. That's that's child labor by definition. That's a kid going to work. That's what child labor is. Um, so that conversation is now in the mainstream. And that's what the LP needs to be doing. And they did a very good job at doing it on Twitter there. And that's, that's the advantage of social media. Now, with Phil Bishop, he is trying to kind of do this sort of fusionist paleo strategy, um, I, a la Rothbard, sort of 90s Rothbard, um, working with the Republican Party. And the fact is, you're not going to get elected to a state or federal office as a, a libertarian member, as a libertarian right. party, uh, running as a libertarian or a green. Um, you're going to get local seats like in new hampshire they have a lot of very local a lot of local offices filled by libertarian party members uh but by and large you're not going to get into a state office or a federal office unless you are a uh republican or democrat and look there is absolutely nothing wrong with being a republican if you are good on fucking if you're good on i'm sorry if i just cursed and screwed up i don't know what your language is swear away Um, okay be offended if you didn't uh (laughs) Uh, it, it there's Ron Paul was a Republican. He ran as a Republican and there's no way he could have done what he did. Had he not ran as a Republican in 2008, he would not have been able to start what he started, which he's the father of the libertarian movement today. A lot of people, this wouldn't be near, it would be a fraction of the size of what it is now. If it weren't for Ron Paul getting up on stage in 2008 and telling the truth about the wars, telling the truth about America's horrible foreign policy and what it's led to and talking about the the financial crash and how it was actually corporatism and government regulation that caused the crash in 2008 and not capitalism and unregulation or deregulation so he could not have done that had it not run he had he not run as a republican in 2008 he wouldn't have been able to get on that debate stage and talk about it he wouldn't able to be he wouldn't have been able to go to south carolina and tell these you know, no, 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 no offense intended, but like these white trash rednecks who, who are religious and hate drugs, he would not have been able to go to South Carolina and tell these people, which I'm a white trash redneck too. So don't take it the wrong way, everybody. <laughs> Same. Um, Same. Yep. He would not have been able to go and tell them there's no reason for drugs to be criminalized. If, if they, st- if they stopped enforcing drug laws tomorrow, would you guys start using crack? Would you guys start using heroin? And he got a, he got an ovation. He got an applause for that because I realized they realize, look, 
this is an old man. He's a doctor. He's kind, kind of a grandfatherly figure. And he's telling me that drugs are shouldn't be illegal. We shouldn't be throwing people in a cage for doing things that don't hurt other people. Oh, I never thought of it that way. That wouldn't happen if he was a Libertarian Party member in 2008, 2000, you know, 2007, 2008, the lead up to that. Um, now, there obviously, have been five people in the crowd. Right. That's exactly right. I mean, <laughs> right. you're not you're not even that, that you, you say that, but that's not exaggeration at all. Yeah. Um, especially in a state like South Carolina. Now, today, that's different because of Ron Paul. Today, that is a different story. Uh, and because of guys like Dave Smith and Tom Woods, who are relentlessly putting putting stuff out there, doing work within the LP and without you know the LP, doing it on their own as well. But I think Tho has the right idea that you, the fact that the matter is, most people would rather live in Florida if they are pro-freedom in any way. If they're like liberty-leaning, they would rather live in Florida than California. 100%. They would rather, yeah, they would rather live in in uh, you know in South Dakota, despite how bad Christian Noam is on drug laws. They'd rather live in South Dakota than live in New York or New Jersey um, or Massachusetts, right? Who are all deep blue states. And, you know, those idea is that it's, it, it's not, he, he's just not, he's has no patience for purists. And I don't, I don't blame him at all. And Dave isn't a purist. I'm not saying Dave Smith is a purist. I just think that, um, though is way more, man, I don't want to, I don't want this to come out wrong. Um, this is going to sound like I'm saying a bad thing about Tho, but Tho is happy with a lot more smaller victories. He's, he's a lot happier with a couple of percent here, a couple of percent there, like in terms of improvements of the status quo uh, than, than a lot of people that are in the LP who couldn't be caught dead voting for somebody like DeSantis, despite him being the best governor, probably the best governor in the country right now. Uh, without exaggeration. his lead. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, and, you know, so I understand. And the thing that I have no patience for these people that I know DeSantis is a Zionist. I understand he's not good on drugs. I get it. Like, believe me, I get it. But the argument to be had right now when you're talking about this particular issue, the argument that you have to have with these people is, would you rather live in Florida or New York? Would you rather have a progressive governor like Cuomo who destroyed your beautiful state and threw people in cages and threw senior citizens who were infected with COVID, signed an order that they could not reject COVID-positive patients and then lied about mm -hmm. the numbers? Would you rather that? This guy that's supposed yeah. to be this progressive hero? I wrote a book about it. Deal. Yeah, that's right. He killed old people and then got a book deal for doing it. It's scum. It's terrible. Yeah. Um, would you rather that or would you rather have a have a guy like DeSantis who just – it doesn't matter if he's a Zionist because he, like, he controls no federal policy. It doesn't matter if he's not good on drugs because a lot of the places in uh, – a lot of the shit they have like local nullification. A lot of the in Miami, you're not gonna get busted for weed. You know what I mean? Orlando, you're not gonna get busted for weed. You think all these fucking Latinos and shit are out partying and getting arrested, man? Get out of here. They don't give a yeah. shit about that down there. They got they got they got other things to worry about, you know? So mm -hmm. DeSantis being bad on some things, a lot of that is eliminated at the local level anyway, and unable to be enacted upon at the federal level because he's a governor he, he can't see he can't send troops or 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 support the the bombing of 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 fucking uh palestine he can't do anything like that he's on a he's on a federal uh official um so that's kind of a moot point anyway and i mean like i said all you have to ask and the same thing with these agorists it's like where would you rather live would you rather live in north korea or would you rather live in like Liechtenstein or singapore like, are you meaning to tell me that every politician is literally exactly the same? Because that's not true. 
Some of them are objectively better than others, and there's no two ways about it. You know, and it's right. it's it's easier to be an agorist in <clears throat> excuse me. It's easier to be an agorist in rural Texas than it is to be in Pyongyang, North Korea. You know, um, so I think we can do all three of those things that I just mentioned over that last tangent. We could do all of those at the same time, and whoever's good at what, uh, like whatever you're best at, go and do that. Like Tho Bish has been involved in politics since he was a kid. His dad was a Republican um, advisor or something. He told me I, I'm not. I'm I'm probably getting it wrong, but his dad has been involved in politics since Tho was a kid. So. He knows politics. He knows how dirty it is. He knows how to play for keeps, and he knows how to he knows how to play that game. Dave is really good at speaking to people. They're showing people the light. Like he's really good at gathering up a crowd and showing people that what libertarianism is. He's good at telling them about it, you know. And then you have another like I don't know, uh, I guess Sal the agorist or whoever, whoever's like a prominent agorist. They could be good at showing people how to do what we what we discussed earlier, how to how to avoid the law as much as possible. You know how to keep in that gray area where you're doing something that's not really legal but not really illegal, so you're not going to get in trouble with mm -hmm. the law. Like how to how to get pay as little taxes as possible, et cetera, et cetera. Like we could do all of this at the same time for the maximum, uh, you know, maximum outcome. You know, the best possible outcome for liberty. Yeah, you know, and I listened to that debate between Phil Bishop and Dave Smith on Lions of Liberty, I think last month or so. Yeah, it goes and, to good um, conversation. It was very good. And, you know, I I obviously knew way more about Dave than Phil going into it, and I kind of went with a bias, like, hey, I'm probably gonna be on Dave's side. And me too. To be, to be fair, I I think I still give Dave the W at the end, but man, Phil made some really good points, and I'm mm -hmm. I'm very open minded. And um, yeah, I mean, it's like I said, they they, they both made real solid arguments. But um, I'm with you though. I think you know a lot of people do these purity tests. And if, if we didn't have guys like Rand Paul and uh, Jim Jordan and, and DeSantis throughout these lockdowns, we would have had nothing. And mm -hmm. yeah, we don't, we don't agree with those people on everything, but damn, I'm so glad we had them. So it, it's very important to drop the purity shit. I don't know who said right. this. I don't remember where I first saw this, but it's don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Right. Well, because it stagnates all progress then. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because at no the end perfect. of the day, literally nobody's perfect. It's, it's impossible. Absolutely. Right. And if you look at it like, you know, and Kapistan is, is at this point, a utopian dream. It's, it's right. not something that is going to happen. I mean, yeah, everything, even, even, you know, you look at any revolution or whatever you want to call it movement, they take time. We're also in way deep. We're, we're, we're in so deep right now. Like the, the, the way the government behaves and how the right. size of it. We're in so yeah. deep. Yeah. Well, it, exactly. Because like if you look at how, I mean, in reality, like the, like the Russian Revolution in 1917, like that was quick. Like I, it, it there's no way it would happen overnight. Like there, even in a matter of a few years, like that, because that system was already broken. Yeah, and they like, were also war torn from World War One, yeah. and you know, and and, and, and if yeah, you look at it like you can't name an industry now that isn't touched by government cheese. You yeah. know, you you got so you've got what do you got? Hundred years, hundred hundred twenty years of public education, mm -hmm. maybe more. I mean, that's a long time that they've been perfecting. The, those roots run deep, and mm -hmm. yeah, so. I kind of agree. You got to operate in this. You got to play the cards you're dealt. And if that means infiltrating a larger party to use their resources to spread the message and start winning, maybe, maybe like you said, all three, just do, do you, all three approaches. 
you guys follow um, or know of that uh, YouTuber uh, with the show called Meet Kevin? He does I don't like think a, so. Uh, it's a lot of financial, really large show, a lot of financial advice, like a daily show. But he lives in California. He's about our age, um, self-made real estate millionaire, YouTube celebrity. And he announced that he's going to be entering into the uh, governor election, like since they're trying to, you know, get a new oh, of office. Oh, I've seen him on Twitter. So, you know, I, a friend of mine sent me his stuff. So I started paying attention to some of his videos, particularly for like the AMC GameStop stuff. He was really up to date on that. So I was following him closely. So now it's in my algorithm. And he put out a, a, a poll on YouTube saying, should I run as a Democrat or run as a Republican? And I, he doesn't ever talk politics. I assume he's probably free thinking, maybe right wing libertarian thinking. But he just kind of laid out the case for both. Like, if I run as a Republican and I get in, I'll be a, uh, you know, like a, a lame duck. Like, they're not going to let me get anything through. They're, right. they're going to control. So he's like, it, it's kind of be a waste of space, waste of time. He goes, if I can run as a Democrat. You know, I may be able to get some things done and persuade people. So he's put it out there and had all his listeners or followers uh, kind of vote on it. And I, to be honest, I haven't checked to see what he decided on. But I know Politico just put him on the front page yesterday, like announcing his run. So I think it was a very cool mm-hmm. way to go about his campaign. He's like, what do you guys think? Like, wh- who should I infiltrate is really what he was asking. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that, that's a good way to do it because, I mean, you could – you could very easily slip in some things as a Democrat in California. You wouldn't be able to get a whole lot done as a Republican, even if right. you had like the majority no. of the citizens. Uh, like, I mean, the, the governor of Massachusetts is a Republican, but they're like as blue as it gets, right? Yeah. Every, every representative and every, both oh. of the senators, they're all Democrats, all of oh, them. We just, we just had a, uh, what was it? Uh, Rauner was our governor before Pritzker in Illinois. And yeah. he, he's a Republican and man, the, the unions just, they fought him so hard. I mean, he was just the literal devil. Everyone hated him. Like he got nothing done. And everyone's like, oh, he's the devil. He's doing this. He's he's anti-union. Like, I mean, he's taking on the state of Chicago. And that's yeah. a state on purpose. It's not a city. It's a state. Yeah. <laughs> they so run, they depending run on where you are, it, it, it could be beneficial to uh, infiltrate is a good word for it. It may it may sound a bit harsh, a bit aggressive to somebody who's like not comfortable with the idea of their party being um literally infiltrated by somebody who doesn't align with them uh but that could be the way to do it like specifically for getting votes like and i'm not i'm not one that's like some people think that voting is inherently immoral or some people think that voting agorists believe that voting or not all i don't want to say that because i know some that don't believe this but some people think that voting is like inherently like violence uh because you're whatever you're voting for is going to be backed up by by violence but um so it's not it's, I'm not under some delusion that voting gives you some sort of power or like control over the government. But if there's a potential for you to vote on an issue, like if you vote on an amendment in a state uh, or vote for a particular measure that a legislator would put out there, uh, you can objectively improve the status quo toward a more liberty friendly uh, status quo by voting. Uh, and you can people vote based on the letter next to your name. So yep. if there's a if there's a bill that's sponsored by a Democrat in California, it's way more likely to get through than sponsored by a Republican. Exactly. It uh, d- doesn't even matter what's in the bill. That's that's all that matters to most people. Uh, so you have to know, you have to be aware of that, and you have to play. It's it's Machiavellian and it's dirty, but that's what politics is. Um, like you don't want to be a liar, but people don't care anyway. <laughs> right. Well, and, and you, you nailed it when you say people vote with the, the letter next to your name. And, and that's where I think that the Libertarian Party 
when it comes time, maybe, maybe in local elections and smaller like towns or maybe even small cities where people right. know you, you know, like if you live in a city of 25,000 people, we'll call that a city, but you know what I mean? Like people know you, you know, especially if you've lived there for a number of years, you might get elected as a libertarian there, but most areas, most areas that carry most power centers, we'll call them. Yeah. If they see a libertarian next year, they're, they're not going to vote for you. I don't care what people say. I've, I've met plenty of people, you know, that are like, yeah, you know what? I'm sick. I hate both candidates. And then you talk to them six months later, they all vote for one of those candidates. Mm-hmm. I knew people that hated, they hated Trump, but they hated Biden too. And then when it came down to it, they just couldn't bring themselves to vote third party. And I yeah, think right. that's what's going to, that's what's going to hit the Mises caucus. You know, if, if they complete their takeover outside of small towns and maybe small cities, their candidates aren't going to get elected mm-hmm. because people, they, 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 they're trained in the two party system. That's just how it is. Yeah. yeah. And the thing about it is, is like even this whole, like you, you'll see this and this words bugs me because you'll see end the duopoly or whatever, like, because it's just the two party system that I don't really like just having a third party in the mix where you've got a Senator here or there, who's a libertarian party member. I really don't, I really don't think that makes that much of a difference. Uh, especially whenever you have certain Liberty friendly, like um, Rand Paul, I wouldn't call him a libertarian, but he's a solid conservative who's like liberty, mm-hmm. liberty friendly. Thomas Massey is pretty libertarian, mm-hmm. um, you know, but like you've already got guys that are in the Republican Party that are good at probably as good as we're going to get. So just having a third party in the mix, I just like on a federal level, I just don't see why that's like end the duopoly doesn't make sense at that point. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah, if, if you try to end the duopoly, they're going to end you. I wanted to touch back on this really quick because I was curious. So that meet Kevin guy from California, his name is Kevin Pathrath. Um, so I'm looking at his plan. He, he did run as a Democrat, as we decided on, which I think would probably be the solid move yeah. um, if you want a real chance. And looking at his policies, it's like, you know, he has a lot of, you know, Democratic Socialist type stuff in there. Like the homeless epidemic, he wants to infiltrate the National Guard um, and provide housing within 60 days for all homeless people. Um, giving three oh. meals per day. It was real bullshit, you know. But then, a little more liberty minded. His number one step is no state income tax on the first two hundred fifty thousand of income. So that's very like, good. That's good. So, and here's the thing: if he came in there with a Dave Smith agenda, he'd be left out of California. Like, so, mm-hmm. may, I mean, maybe a lot of that's just bullshit fluff that he's not going to pursue. But he knows he has to say it to get elected. I, I would hope. I would hope so. Hope so. Because some of it kind of sucked. But that's kind of back to your point, though. I think these are a lot of the more slow steps to getting towards the more liberty. Um, we need people taking action like that. Well, look at, uh, I mean, people are so easy to fool. Like progressives actually thought that Biden and Kamala Harris were anything other than corporatist Democrats. Like literally <laughs> the worst, the worst kinds of people on the planet are, are those, the, them and their ilk. Like yes. they are the progenitors going all the way back to Woodrow Wilson. Mm-hmm. They are the progenitors of everything bad about this country. And in it, to an extent, a lot of bad shit about the world. Corporatist Democrats, uh, which are basically fascists who are like progressive in, in, in the social realm, you know, 
um, that's what those two people are. And yeah. they, they were actually progressives who thought they were going to be pushing for the legal, federal legalization of weed and yeah. a $15 an hour minimum wage and all these progressive pipe dreams that uh, they ran on. And, and dropped it like a bad habit right after. And that's, that's how I know that progressives are the stupidest people in the country. That's how I know that. Because they were fooled by the most obvious Trojan horse I have ever seen and anybody should have ever seen in their lifetimes. Oh, yeah. You know, you and, can make the argument that Obama, Hillary, they were all the same. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and you, okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, well, I was gonna, gonna, oh. <laughs> you go. Wow. That was good. Um, I was going to say, like, when you look at Biden, when he does that, that real compassionate look at the camera when he talks and you can just tell it's like the most disingenuous bullshit that people like. I, I pity people who can't see it. They're being pandered towards, especially yeah. like when. Oh, the, pride the way he, yeah. <laughs> he, the way he talks towards black people. It's like as if they can't fend for themselves. They can't think for themselves. And like they weren't cut out to be inhabiting this planet. Like the yeah. weather, the weather is like disproportionately mean to them. Viruses are disproportionately mean. Menthol cigarettes are disproportionately mean to them. And like he needs to be their caretaker. And it's like this is so uh, condescending and racist. But mm-hmm. people are just like, yes, yes, say it, Joe. You got my vote. Yeah. And it's it's really crazy. Yeah. The the, fascist, the- fascist with a pride flag in their front lawn. Yeah, it's what it is. It, it's it's literally <laughs> yeah. progressivism, neoconservatism, neoliberalism. They're all very similar. The, the, the difference lies in like where you are socially. Like a neoconservative might be against abortion. A neoliberal might be like, I don't know, they might be pro-gay marriage, you know, progressives. Uh, but ultimately, their economics and their, their policy prescriptions on a lot of shit are very, very similar. Um, yeah. And again, another shitting on progressives moment i'll have is i know they're stupid because they have been fooled by corporate america at every single turn every company every corporation turns their logo to a to a rainbow you know every fucking corporation posted a black square after george floyd was killed every corporation has some black lives matter shit you know every corporation is is ostensibly on their side. You know how stupid you got to be to believe that. You know mm-hmm. how stupid yeah. you got to be. What what happened ten years ago? Do you remember what happened in two thousand eleven? The left wing yeah. populism, Occupy Wall Street, left wing populism. Any populism they're scared of, because populism is definitionally opposed to elitism, which uh, fascism is elitism, and America is pretty like quasi fascist. They're borderline fascist us um so this left-wing populist and right-wing populist in the tea party movement started cropping up in 2010 2011 occupying tea party right after all that now you have corporations didn't change their fucking flag they didn't change their logo to a fucking pride flag before they never talked about trans rights they never talked about fucking police brutality they didn't do any of that shit before then. Yeah. This how many just... how many of these uh, corporations, like, is Coca-Cola putting a rainbow on their advertising in Saudi Arabia? That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it, it's, 
it's so and then these are the people who have hashtag resist in their twitter bio and they post pictures of uh of the black lives matter fist on their instagram and uh you know rest in peace george floyd but you know hashtag wear the mask like these people are the most they're dupes useful idiots the worst most horrifically stupid and also borderline evil I don't know if evil is the right word because you have to be like malevolent and and like intentional to be evil, but it's so disgusting the behavior of these people and like disappointing the lack of mental fortitude. Like, how can you not? You look at this corporate fucking hellscape we're in, and I just actually saw a post today. It was Forbes posted an article about uh, how we need to have a. like if you don't mind i want to go grab it because i tweeted about it i want to i want to get this i want to get this exactly right sure uh no you're all good man they posted forbes posted something about a um we need to have a merger between private and public literally advocating for fascism because that's what fascism is (laughs) yeah fascism is corporatism and corporatism is the merger between private and public which means the government calls the shots and the private sector carries it out so they're not the private sector anymore, but they ostensibly are uh, because it's not the actual government who's doing it. It's a private company, bro, right? Yeah. Um, so so the, this is the um, article from Forbes. It's public – this is the headline. Public-private disease surveillance partnerships are what's needed to stop the next pandemic. Now, this is Forbes, a global media corporation. So I just tweeted, I wonder why a global corporation would advocate for fascism like this with the hmm emoji. And you know the answer, as libertarians, you both know it, is because corporations' best friends are big government. That's what they want. This is the reason, like a good leftist should know this. They seem to drop the ball on this, but big pharma, I don't want to talk too much about it because I don't want to get you guys' stuff pulled from any of the platforms. You know where I'm going with this with big pharma. You know exactly what we went through in 2020 and what we're going through now with the Fauci, you know what. Uh, there's a reason for that. It's a giant money-making scheme. How is this any... If you can get a government contract as a private business, that is the number one gravy train you could possibly get. There's no... there's, There's Because they... Because not only do you have no incentive to cut down and be efficient with your... You know, with your... With your... Um... The government has no reason to be efficient with their spending because they get it for... They get it through theory. They get it through taxation. And so right. as a result, they just dole out money to whatever corporation they give their contracts to who in turn don't have to worry about how they spend the money because they can always get more. All they have to do is ask for more. I, right. I kind of screwed up whenever I was in, in the middle of that sentence, but that's what I'm getting at is corporations with a, with a government contract is the ultimate gravy train. Another good example of this is why the war machine continues. The military industrial complex, you have corporations like Lockheed Martin and Raytheon who have billion dollar weapons contracts. You think they're not interested in keeping the propaganda, the pro-war propaganda going to, yep. uh, to, to keep on getting their gravy chain rolling. They could give a fuck about Muslim kids in Saudi and, uh, in Yemen. They could give a shit about, uh, what happened in Syria. They can give a fuck about Libya. You know, they can give a shit that there's slave trade going on in Libya because their bombs blew up Muammar Gaddafi. Or, and I, I know he didn't actually. Their bombs didn't blow him up. He actually got sodomized right. to death. Yeah, he got sodomized to death. Uh, 
after their bombs blew up a bunch of other people that caused all this shit to happen. Um, so, but they're not, they don't give a shit. It's, it's, they're, they have their gravy train and that's it. And the progressives don't even give it a second thought because they can go to Starbucks and they're satisfied with going to Starbucks because Starbucks has a rainbow logo now. Starbucks posted a Black Lives Matter logo on Instagram whenever George Floyd was killed. So they're doing their part. They're, as Michael Malice words it, having their personal march on Selma by putting a hashtag in their bio or tweeting out something yeah. that every major corporation already agrees with. Yeah, yeah, it's so crazy. And, you know, uh, Robbie the Fire Bernstein had such a good quote that he said on, on part of the problem and on his own podcast that, you know, what Fauci did was he tortured children for a year, not more than a year, um, mm-hmm. for big pharma, big pharma profits. That's exactly like, right. I don't think that's being hyperbolic at all. Like you literally traumatize these children. I was talking to uh, someone I know who has a 10 year old son and they said that he is like traumatized. Like uh, someone kicked a soccer ball to him and it touched him and he like wanted to go wash it off. Like they're trying to tell him like, you're not in danger. And like, he's so traumatized. He's washing his hands all the time. Like it literally makes me sick to my stomach. I mean, I got four kids myself and it's like, I'm, I have a real big storm to battle with their upbringing right now because it's such a bad landscape to, uh, try to raise uh, liberty-minded children against this battle. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and they they did the, the damage is done. I mean, yeah. not yeah. with a lot of kids because they you just go out in public sometime and you see how many like kids are like, "Mom, why are they not wearing a mask?" Yeah, it's but we'll it's never really know sad. the full like we'll never know the full extent to this damage. You know, there's a lot that people aren't thinking about. And this is where libertarians who are good on economics, which libertarians should be good on economics, uh, but people that are well more well versed in economics or this is at least at least this is how I look at things um, because of my knowledge of economics and because of my knowledge of like the Austrian school uh, and Bastiat, the seen and the unseen, you know, and trade offs mm-hmm. and stuff like that and knowing so I'll give you a perfect example. This is I'm going to lead with this example and then go into what I was talking about with the damage that could possibly be done. We all know that high fructose corn syrup is in everything. It's in that they use that instead of sugar in almost every product that has sugar. And we're kind of finding out that it's really not good for you. Uh, there's a reason that Americans are so obese, and that leads to cancer, diabetes, and all kind of other health problems, heart problems. Uh, liver problems, kidney problems, et cetera, et cetera. We know what we know what unhealthy eating does to you. Um, well, why is high fructose corn syrup and everything? Corn subsidies. They pay yep. farmers to grow more and more corn. They have to use it somewhere. They have to they have to put it in a product. They are over incentivized to grow corn, so they're going to use it. They're going to find something to to, to put corn in or to use corn for. That's why you have high fructose corn syrup and everything. That's a very easily understood example. That's having massive damage on the american people because of a government program it's very easy to understand that well think about it this way we've been incentivized by the government to wear masks how many surgical masks that have microplastics in them are now in the ocean uh getting into your drinking water gonna give you cancer 30 years down the road right uh how many plastic bottles from hand sanitizer are clogging up drain pipes or killing sea turtles. Like they bitched about plastic bags. That's why they want to get rid of plastic bags and plastic straws because they kill the sea life. You didn't think about that, did you, progressives? Fucking all the masks going into the ocean, all the hand sanitizer going into the ocean. How compromised people's immune systems are going to be because everybody's using fucking Germex 
instead of have, building up a little bit of immunity when they touch something that might be yep. a little bit dirty. You know, uh, kids growing up not being able to see adults' faces, not being able to see an adult speak. You know how important it is for a kid learning how to talk, to learn and law, watch watch adults speak, to look at the way their the look at the way yeah. their mouth is moving. You you understand where I'm going with this? There's so many things that are unseen that we have we have no idea how it's going to affect the future. And a really big example, a really big thing about it is the imminent collapse in the economy, the imminent crash, a la 08. I mean, we are on way more shaky ground than we were in 2008 because people have not been working. People haven't been working in 2020, and they're about to get kicked out of their houses, right? How many defaulted yeah. loans are there going to be? So not only are we worse off because we have a way less production than in 2008 or you know the lead up to 2008. We have had less people working. We've had less production. We've had, we have less stuff out there to support people. But these people are... They don't have any money. They're about to get kicked out of their homes. How many loan? That, that's what caused the the crash of it was all the housing default, all the loan defaults, and it was a different set of circumstances that led up to that. But the fact of the matter is, we're on way shakier ground now than. I mean, if if it was held together by tape and glue in two thousand and eight, it's not even held together by fucking by by spit and sand in in yeah two thousand twenty 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 one. You know. So when this comes, it is going to be ugly. And I am afraid for the future. I'm not afraid for me and my wife. We both have skills and we can go get jobs. And our rock bottom will be going live with my parents. That'll be our absolute rock bottom. And I'm right. grateful for that. But that's not a lot of people's option. You know, people a lot of people are going to suffer and it's going to be horrendously ugly. And I am not excited for that at all. So this is the kind of thing what I what I the reason I brought up the corn thing. I don't know when that started. Probably decades ago. Corn subsidies. Corn, you know? corn subsidies started pretty early on, like soon after the depression. But then in the uh, the seventies, in the Nixon era, they had the corn king. He wanted from fence post to fence post, plant as much as you want. So that's when it really ramped up. So fifty years later, we're seeing the fallout from that, right? What kind of what kind of shit are we going to see from this COVID nonsense in fifty years? You know. Yeah. Uh, so that 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 that's the kind of thing that somebody who's an Austrian like studies the Austrian school of economics, or even if they read like Thomas Sowell or, or Bastiat, neither of those are Austrians. Technically, the Austrian school didn't exist before uh, you know whenever Bastiat was alive, but and he was a an influence of all the Austrians. But you know, it's not very difficult. It's not very difficult to understand that there are unintended consequences to actions that you just can't see happening now, and and. We, we really have no way to know and we'll probably never ever figure out exactly the toll similarly to how like we don't know how many people really died in Iraq because of the sanctions because of all the war and the bombing we don't really know we estimate 800 grand whatever like we, we estimate mm -hmm. we don't fucking know we don't know how many people we've under indirectly killed you know so like just think about that not y'all but listeners and, and anybody who's doubtful about how bad this shit has been. Think about that for just a second. Like you have no idea the, the consequences of what's what's the consequences to come from everything that just happened over the past year and a half. Oh yeah. It's yeah. It's gonna be significant. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That's uh and it's something that you know a lot of people aren't paying attention to. And like like you talk about with the uh 
kind of the damages coming on the horizon. I mean, that's something that I think about every day and like, <sighs> like lose sleeping over it or over it. And, uh, you know, the best you can do is like you said, have skills, um, be smart with your money now, diversify against inflation and be in a safe area and have a great network of friends and resources. And, uh, yeah, there's me a lot of people that are going to be caught off guard with this. You know, they're going to be a month behind their, their rent when this hits and not have anywhere to go. And it, you know, if grocery stores start having shortages, gas, whatever, I mean, it's not going to take much for people to get uh, very uncomfortable very fast. And the sickest part about it is you could have done everything right. You know, you could have, you could have buckled down and survived 08 just fine. Uh, you know how much money they just printed off? You know what's about to happen to the U.S. dollar? Russia just said it was worthless. You know, what happens if China does? What happens if everyone dumps the dollar? What happens if they realize we're a bunch of fucking phonies who use a credit card and max it out, you know, twice over every week? <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Yeah. Like what? And they know it's just a matter of time. But it's backed up by the fact that we have the biggest military on the planet and we'll bomb somebody who fucks with us. That's what it is. So, like, what happens if that starts to go away? Like, what happens? You know what I mean? If we, so we it, can't use the IMF as our financial terrorist organization. Yeah. It, you know, so, and you could just be an innocent bystander living in, you know, Texas, living in Houston with a job, you're a lawyer. All of a sudden, your dollar is worthless and it ain't your fault. And you, nothing you could do about it. Like, how many innocent victims there are of this shit? The, the crony federal reserve system, the, the, you know, the way the government behaves with the way that it spends. And they just printed off, what was it? Six trillion dollars or something like that. The, the, the amount, the money supply graph is terrifying. If you've seen it, oh, it just yeah. fucking spikes. It is horrifying. All right. And I, I mean, I don't know, man. I, I know that it's, it's, it's uncouth to make predictions. I'm not making a prediction. I'm just like saying as a general idea, I don't think this is going to end well. And, and it's going to be really bad for a lot of people and through no fault of their own, which is the worst part about it. Like even if you, even if you have, you know, 15 grand saved up in the bank, that's basically worthless. Once the, once the inflation, that's two loaves of bread. Yeah, that's right. Once we're Weimar Republic, that doesn't fucking matter anymore. If you if you saved as much as you could, it doesn't matter. The money's gone. It may, it's, it's worthless. Yeah. But can I offer a, a white pill to that? Sure. That uh, all significant change in history has happened during those moments, whether good or bad. But that's why the LPMC should sharpen up their propaganda propaganda nails because I I really think that. In a moment when things start to go downhill is where the messaging becomes important. Well, because, we saw that in 1933 with a very specific guy with a funny mustache. Yep. They were they were a they were a huge minority party. Like they were just a tiny radical party in the 20s. And That's yet right. by by the mid 30s when was it he, he was hit he was man of the year. Like he I mean that's the rise when, yeah of that it, movement yep that's a good point i mean it, it's at the at the worst parts you i mean you want to look for that beacon of hope or whatever 
you know, mm-hmm. and you and, look at uh, the the conditions were were bad in 1917, Russia, the French Revolution, American Revolution. Not saying that I'm not advocating for any of that, but uh, you know, it, history has shown that when times get rough, is when movements arise. And of course, you know that the mm-hmm. the leftist movements are always active, so they will have their own. You know, so that's why it's important for the libertarians to get the messaging right, because there mm-hmm. may come a time in the hopefully distant, but could be very near future. But that oh, yeah. that messaging could really grow. Yeah, we got to do what the man with the funny mustache did, though, and go after the children with our message, with the right message, though. You know, and that's you know, like mm-hmm. what the the Dems are doing right now or. If mm-hmm. you can call them Dems anymore, whatever you call this <laughs> complete uh, takeover going on with the propaganda. Fascists with pride flags? Yeah. Um, like even Nickelodeon and I, uh, Tim Poole was oh. talking about yesterday. They put out that like drag queen and with, with the communist uh, red salute fist. Like, I mean, here's the thing. Like I can, like I said, I can uh, homeschool or private school my kids or, or whatever and try to avoid it. But their entire generation is going to be indoctrinated around them. Like this is not good. Like, this is not a good path to be on for little impressionable kids and parents who go along with it. There's so many of them that think this is like, finally, we're making a change. I'm on the I'm on the good side of history because I'm standing against this racism epidemic, which I don't know about you guys. I don't I don't see as much of an issue as they do. But, um, yeah, it's dude, it's a it's going to be a really rough battle. Like yeah. I said, if, if you're agreeing with every corporation that's out there, which are basically government arms, I don't think you're, I don't think you're the resistance. I don't think you're on the right side of anything. Correct. So that brings us about an hour 20 mark. Any, any other things you guys want to uh, touch on or. I think I did. I think I did. I think I said everything I could say for this time. Yeah. Yeah. You got any, you got any plugs for us? Yeah, just uh, the Individualist Podcast. You can find it at individualistpodcast.com. Anything I put out will be on there. Uh, if you want to go directly to my website, it's going to be uh, – not my website. I'm sorry, my anchor. It's anchor.fm slash nick-ashley. Um, and to touch on it again, that is my real name. Uh, Nicholas, not Nick, but you know I go by Nick. Uh, I'm glad that Mel asked that question, so thank you for the question, Mel. Uh also, you guys are, I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, and this was a lot of fun. I feel like I've said some stuff that has been on my mind for a little while. And I went on a rant or two there that I feel really good about. I, I'm really hoping, I'm really excited to share this with some people because I feel like this has been me at my best, like so far. <laughs> yeah, spitting, <laughs> I think spitting so too, heat. Man. I love it. It was great. So, I really appreciate you coming on here and uh, you're welcome yeah, back man. anytime, man. Hey, thank you guys very much. That was a lot of fun. All right. Talk to you later. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.